Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a very special quarantine episode this week, this week only, completely alone. Can it be done? We're going to find out on tonight's pod. First and foremost, so before I get into it, quick housekeeping, contact information, vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com and Vicarious Living Podcast on the gram, Instagram, get at us for all of our swag on the gram, the good shits on their kits. Special quarantine episode, uh, actually had a guest scheduled, had to push, had to push it till next week, scheduling conflicts, you know how it goes with these celebrities, but I was like, why not just use this moment to just see, can I do it, can I fucking do it all alone on a podcast by myself go at least an hour so just in my head I'm like I can go an hour talking to myself and had some other inspiration one so yeah the quarantine spurred it on literally social distancing all this shit two saw Bill Simmons do it my hero rewatchable did it on castaway he was like if Hanks is gonna be alone I'm just gonna fucking do a pot alone too and now I'm the third guy in the mix is going if Hanks is doing it fucking Simmons is doing it on Hanks then wind is going to do it on the VL pod on Hanks on Simmons on Castaway on this movie tonight no big deal a couple other things I wrote down here about doing a solo pod one I think it takes a certain level of narcissism buried deep inside of you to be able to do this I'd say check check for me on that I have a little of that definitely sorry it sucks but it's true two ability to talk to a brick wall um, I feel like I have the ability to talk to a brick wall. Listening is not one of my stronger suits. Unfortunately, my wife will tell you, uh, my friends will also tell you too. I struggle with that. So talking to myself should actually be technically easier for me than like listening to how my wife's work day was. Cause honestly, I never care. <laughs> and then number three, what you need to do a solo pod is just simply some explosive fire content. And we have that tonight on this podcast because what I did was I was like, I want to see a movie I've never watched before. I've never watched a movie, but I've heard of it. I've always kind of wanted to see it, but I never have. I know other people have seen it. And that movie to me, there's only one option. Kai, yo, T, Ug, Lee. Yeah. It was that simple. I mean, you take a girl, small town girl, moving to a big city, trying to make a name for herself as a singer-songwriter. Yeah, sign me up. I'm in. I'm in for that. Especially if that singer-songwriter happens to be a smoke show. Double in. And now we just get to see, like, what's up? What's up in the big city? Big city living. Okay, so, Coyote Ugly. Music transition, please. Came out in 2000. Directed by David McNally. Doesn't really matter. The only other movie he did that I wrote down, Kangaroo Jack. Enough said. The big one is produced by none other than the Jerry Bruckheimer. 
You ever heard of them, kids? Top Gun, Con Air, Armageddon, Days of Thunder, Gone in 60 Seconds, Pirates of the Caribbean, Pearl Harbor, Remember the Titans, and the list goes on and on, kids. This guy's fucking done it all. In my extensive research of this movie before this pod, I didn't really actually find any fun facts on him, but what I did find were two quotes that I thought were really interesting. One cool, one lame as fuck. The cool quote. Being in the movie business, you're in the transportation business. We transport audiences from one place to another. Yeah, Jerry Brockheimer said that. Felt like it was cool. So nice job. The lame quote was, on shitty response that he received from one of his shitty movies, Lone Ranger, he said, quote, it reminds me of a critic who called Flashdance a toxic dump. I think the Lone Ranger is going to be looked back on as a brave, wonderful film, end quotes. That one's tough, tougher, very tough. I think it's been seven years since Lone Ranger came out, and I think we can all agree uh, it has not stood the test of time. I don't think the jury's still out. That movie's fucking garbage. Everyone just assumed that, oh, shit, Johnny Demp at Makeup and Pirates of the Caribbean? Brockheimer that? Fucking Brockheimer's producer? Gold? No. It's fucking terrible. Lone Ranger is one of the biggest atrocities I've ever seen. Um, I was actually, it led me on to deep dive, rabbit hole, deep dive, to look what some of the critic reviews were of Lone Ranger, because then I was just curious, like, how wrong is Jerry Brockheimer about this shit? I just thought two were really funny. Uh, First one, which made me laugh, was actually Wesley Morris, who some of the people who listen to this pod definitely know that is. Old Grantland guy, works with Bill Simmons. He gave it on Rotten Tomatoes a rotten and his quote was this isn't the complete disaster of wild wild west but that's only because none of the 250 million that was spent to turn kenneth branna into a mechanical spider (laughs) shots fired at wild wild west for no reason lone ranger you suck and then the other one that was funny um gore verbinski has surely modified this film's running time using temporal distortion technology that each of its 149 minutes contains actually 250 seconds the south american landmass peeled off from the western seaboard of africa quicker than this movie (laughs) peter bradshaw the guardian top critic top critic so those are tough top critics for lone ranger so yeah brockheimer probably definitely wrong i would say it is a toxic dump Comparing it to Flashdance, which is just pure dynamite, bad move. Swing and a miss. But overall, for Jerry Brockheimer, he does not do that much. Okay. Fun facts. Coyote Ugly. First fun fact. This movie was inspired by a GQ magazine article, The Muse of the Coyote Ugly Saloon, by now famous author Elizabeth Gilbert, when she describes her experiences as a former coyote bartender. So she must have been a bartender. The original bar that opened up, which I believe was in 1993, which leads to my second fun fact of there's a whole chain of Coyote Ugly bars across the world, but the original was opened in New York in 1993 by Liliana Lovell. And the last one, which you may be wondering, what is the definition of Coyote Ugly? What does it mean? And it's this clip. Did you ever wake up sober after one night stand and the person you're next to is laying on your arm and they're so ugly you'd rather chew off your arm than risk waking them? That's Coyote Ugly. Let's go, ladies. Well, why would you name your bar after something like that? Oh, because Cheers was taken. (laughs) Yeah, so apparently it's just waking up after a one night stand, realizing you made a horrible mistake by someone who's probably a lot uglier when you wake up with them the next morning than when you were drunk the night before. Makes sense makes sense feels like I, I don't know if it can work the other way around it's mostly probably just referring to like an ugly dude because i feel like you wake up the next morning next to a girl and you call her ugly you're fucked 
Okay, quick plot of this movie, and then we're going to guess some Rotten Tomatoes. Plot of this movie, a sexy romantic comedy featuring a spectacular soundtrack. I agree with that. Coyote Ugly is the story of one girl's wild adventure in the big city. Graced with a velvety voice, 21-year-old Violet Sanford heads to New York to pursue her dream of becoming a songwriter, only to find her aspirations sidelined by the accolades and notoriety she receives at her day job as a barmaid at Coyote Ugly, a new nightclub with a twist. Coyote Ugly is the hottest spot in town, featuring a team of sexy, enterprising young women who tantalize customers and the media alike with their outrageous antics. Coyote Ugly. It's coming of age story. You know, 21 years old, she's just looking to make her a name for herself, move to the big city and just crush it. So she's doing that. But the thing that I'm most interested in actually is the Rotten Tomatoes. So let me look this up. As I'm looking it up, I, I had to guess. I would say I'm going to guess 41% on Coyote Ugly, and that might be generous. <laughs> and it was 23% rotten as fuck. Audience score, 71, though. Yeah, that is a big discrepancy. That may be the biggest discrepancy I've seen on the pod to date. 50-point swing from critics to audience. I'd say the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. 23 seems a little low. 71 is for sure too high. (laughs) So, yeah, I think my score is better. So, fuck all of you player breakdown time let's do it piper p piper parabo a.k.a. Violet Samford, the main character in this movie. Um, Her biggest movie to date. She also did, I was looking her up, she also did Cheaper by the Dozen movies. By the way, Cheaper by the Dozen, talked about on the pod, totally underrated, and a Mr. Tom Welling, a.k.a. Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, also in that movie, Connection, Teen Connection for the VL pod. No big deal, Piper P only other movie i saw her in that i recognized was the prestige great film you put wolverine hugh jackman and christian bale batman in one movie with a piper parabo it's gonna be good a f and it was go see the prestige kids fun facts on piper parabo piper p first one did no singing in this movie, the actual voice of anything that came out of Piper P's mouth in song form in this film, Coyote Ugly, was actually done by Leanne Rhymes. God, the fucking pipes on Leanne Rhymes, magical pipes. Those are some magical pipes to have coming out of Piper P's mouth this entire film. Piper P, she's an aspiring songwriter. She's moving to New York to be a songwriter. If you're moving to New York to be a songwriter, you have Leanne Rhymes' voice coming out of your mouth. That is exactly where you want to be, kids. I'd recommend that if you move to New York, just constantly have Leanne Rhymes in your pocket on your phone at all times. Someone asks for you to sing, you just play that shit and act like you're Leanne Rhymes. No big deal. Second fun fact uh, Jessica Simpson originally cast in the Piper P role, but she dropped out due to the director's refusal to cut the sex scene, aka prude. Jessica Simpson's a fucking prude. I don't like that. 
just have a little sex. Jessica Simpson, it's not a big deal. It's not like Dick is really going in there. It's movie magic. Probably put like a cock sock on. You're just rubbing cock socks. Jessica Simpson, bad move by you. Um, other thing I'll say about uh, casting what ifs in this movie, Britney Spears, along with Jessica Simpson, Jewel, oh, and Vicky Valancourt. Ever heard of her? Ever seen Waterboy? Yeah. All those people were originally in the casting discussion for Violet, which went to Piper P. Nice job by you. Um, yeah, the Vicky Valancourt one, that's a tough casting what if. That's tough because Vicky Valancourt's a real huge bitch. I don't really know how that would work in this movie. It's just a, it's a different, it's a totally different movie if she's in there. So anyways, second player breakdown is a big favorite of this podcast or sitting here in this podcast studio, John Goodman, Violet's dad, legend status. Uh, let me see. What did I write down? He was in Flintstones, Roseanne. Obviously that's where he became huge. Uh, he was in big Lebowski, dirty work, monsters, Inc, Argo flight. And actually my number one, most underrated John Goodman performance to date is 10 Cloverfield Lane. That movie is Diamond in the Rough. Good. Love that shit. Sequel to the original movie Cloverfield, which was a cool premise. The whole movie was shot in like first person POV. Actually, it was, uh, fuck, what's his name? TJ something? Damn it. Just can't think of it because I'm all by myself in my own head. He's a com. He's a comedian. He does first person POV the entire movie Cloverfield. This is a sequel to that after the movie's gone to shit, and it's like John Goodman in just a basement, and you never get out of the basement until the very end of the movie, and it's like a post-apocalyptic world, and you never know. He's been telling like the people down in the basement. Like, hey, it's shitty as fuck out there. If you go out there, you die. You got to stay down here in like my bomb shelter and I'm going to keep you alive. Listen to me. I'm John Goodman. But you never know, like, is this guy crazy as fuck and the world's fine out there and he's lying or is he telling the truth? I'm not going to give the, the ending away. Just know this movie is fucking good as shit. See it. Jay Goodman. That guy rocks. Um, fun facts on Goodman. Oh, this first one was just funny. It says John Goodman admitted that he participated in this film, Coyote Ugly, only for the money. <laughs> it's just, just like, yeah, he's not even, he's just not even like trying to hide it. It's like, yeah, I did that. Fuck it. Yeah, that movie is garbage, obviously. It's 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Obviously, it's fucking poop. It's a poop movie. I just did it for money. Just like, Fucking Neil Diamond in Saving Silverman. Call back to our last podcast. Check it out, kids. Yeah, I did it for the money. Second fun fact. Um, this one's cool. After test screening this entire movie to an audience focus group, the filmmakers discovered from that audience that they were like, hey, we got one point of feedback, bud. You know what that is? We need more Goodman. We need him. So... The movie went back and added new scenes with him, filmed them, and then added them into the final cut in the movie. And we just got a lot more John Goodman, who was really not, who kind of ended up becoming an integral part of her story in Coyote Ugly. He's a single dad, kind of like her rock back in New Jersey, holds shit down. She like takes care of him kind of thing because he's like, you know, going to have a heart attack because this is like, this is pre John Goodman just losing a whole bunch of weight he's still like fat Roseanne John Goodman so obviously she's taking care of him and shit no big deal but yeah I just like that the people are like hey we fucking we we want it we need it do it and the director listened last interesting points of trivia on him one quick hitter first guest of all time on Conan O'Brien's talk show 1993 thought that was just kind of interesting but what I thought was the most interesting was this guy, dart player. 
big time dart player. And interesting thing about how he throws darts, he's got a very unique style of throwing darts. He holds the pointing tip of the dart with his thumb and index finger and then throws it with the opposite end pointing to the board so that the dart makes a 180 degree turn in midair with the pointed end stuck to the board can be seen in many of his movies such as King Ralph, whatever, never seen that, it's probably poop. That though is just wild. You got a new way to throw a dart? Sign me up for that fucking journey on learning the new explosive way to throw a dart. I feel the same way about James Cameron teaching people how to shoot bow and arrows on the set of Avatar the opposite way than normal because he's left-handed. Love shit like that. Probably just because, you know, hey, guess what? Always played pool left-handed. It doesn't make sense. I don't need to. I'm right-handed guy. Right-handed guy. I play pool left-handed. So it's kind of like, hey, maybe I'm Goodman out there. I'm the Goodman. He's the Goodman of the darts. I'm the Goodman of the pool table. Just switching shit up. Maybe I should like try something different where I just, I, I hold a pool stick completely opposite, like turn it 180. And then right before I'm about to like, I'm pulling it back 180, right before I'm about to hit it, I flip it really quick and just hit it regular style, like Goodman with darts. Yeah. Probably be like sweeter at pool and stuff. So <laughs> anyways, fucking Goodman, man. He's just the best. I love John Goodman. That dart story, it just had me, it had me. God, so jacked when I saw that shit. Okay, now, last big character on Player Breakdown that I want to do before I get into the actual movie. She is barely in the movie. She is literally maybe only in the movie for 37 and a half seconds. I, I'm convinced that she was actually only added to this movie because it was the year 2000. It was at the peak of her hot powers. And they really just wanted to put her on the DVD cover and promote it as if she's in this movie. And that is one Tyra Banks. Now, honestly, again, she's not a big character, but I hate this bitch so fucking much that I added her on here because I want to do a special solo podcast, MCITW, on this one and I've been waiting to do it my whole life. My whole life I've been waiting to give a Tyra Banks the MCITW. I mean, this award is built for her. So, on this very podcast, the MCITW, and that is the Merce Cooper is the worst of the week. And it is brought to you, as always, by our fine, fine sponsors from Wicklowware. W-I-C-K-L-O-W-Ware. Be free and explore. Get all your out there. Get Wicklowware.com. Type in the promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off your order. Kids. $30 in the baseball tees, $20 in the tanks, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts. Get at us for all of our swag on Instagram. Slide into our DMs for either swag or for just sending us dick pics. We love all that shit. Okay. Tyra Banks. Like I said, she's barely in this movie at all. I think she was only on because it was right after she was crushing Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition covers. And they just wanted her for the DVD. I did a Tyra Banks deep dive. Because I was like, my vitriol for her, it's got to have some juice behind it. I don't want to build up this MCITW and then not have any juice. So, first and foremost, she's a diva bitch. As a model, she has all these restrictions, and I don't like that. I don't like when people come in and they give restrictions. Like we already said on past podcasts about Ellen, where it's like, oh, she's a vegetarian. Do not talk about meat ever. Like, people like that just get fucked. So, her restrictions, no frontal nudity. <laughs> Points off. That's easy. Points off. No birds. No cats. No fish. No cigarettes. No alcohol. Apparently, all the fucking fun stuff in life. At a photo shoot with the Tyra Banks, all the fun stuff goes away. No fucking alcohol, no fun. No cigarettes, no fun. No fish, no cats, or birds? And everyone's going to stay fully clothed the whole time? Bullshit. Fuck Tyra Banks for that. 
Um, second one that was kind of interesting, her friends called her the Black Widow because she used to break up with dudes where they could break up with her. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Tara Banks, you suck. And then the one that I will say in her favor, though, look, I'm not, okay, it's not, I'm not going to shit on her. I, the, the Sports Illustrated cover she was on in 1997, which I think arguably may be like the f- most famous. Maybe I'd say that, kids keep me in track but maybe the most famous sports illustrated cover it's pretty good i just remember she's like kind of pulling her bottoms like tugging them down a little bit it's like mm, god damn that that's just she sucks but that one's amazing plus actually i think that's before she started sucking she really didn't start sucking in my mind until she became like this kroger brand wannabe fucking oprah try hard practice hero who you're just like you're not oprah bitch you're not you're not Oprah. But yeah, I did look it up. It said it was uh it was the best selling cover ever for the magazine. <laughs> so <laughs> spot on. Just spot on about that shit. Okay, but the main reason she sucks is I was reading all this shit. Apparently she's just full on doing pyramid schemes. Okay, I, I just gotta read this art I'm gonna read this article, pieces of this article, and then you can see what I'm talking about. The article is entitled, More Than Meets the Smize. A look inside Tyra Banks' exploitative empire. Right off the bat, I was like, yeah, um, I need to read the shit out of this article. First line is, Tyra Banks has rebranded herself as a trustworthy guide to your finances. But former employees, a financial expert, and a former America's Next Top Model contestant claim Banks is exploiting vulnerable young women. Once again, saw that, knew I needed to know more about the exploitation that's happening. It says, Tyra Banks wants to be your boss. The 90s supermodel icon has rebranded herself as a financial guru who wants to share her business acumen with young women trying to better their lives. Banks has long fashioned herself as the quote-unquote relatable supermodel. An A-lister who hopes to expand her brand across the variety of platforms, including a new beauty venture called Tyra Beauty, which teaches girls who can sell Banks' makeup products for her. Several of Banks' new ventures follow suspect business practices, and Banks still faces the repercussions of professional mistakes she's made in the past. No one knows this better than one of her America's Top Model contestants. This one girl says... Um, mistreated as fuck on the set. She's actually suing Tyra Banks because um, she was saying like Tyra exploits all the women on that show. She said they treated us like slaves. We couldn't get any food. Says Banks also reportedly gave out McDonald's cheeseburgers in lieu of holiday bonuses at their Christmas party to all their employees. (laughs) Think you're going to get a Christmas bonus. And then you just show up and it's a bunch of just double cheeseburgers plain. Yeah. So the, the, anyways, the, the point of all this is that she's how she's exploiting women now is she has this pyramid scheme where Tyra beauty lets women sign up to become beauty tainers, quote unquote. And she says the goal is to make you help you become the CEO of your own beauty line. Um, but then the reason it becomes a pyramid scheme pay, you actually have to pay a $60 initial fee and then you have to purchase an $80 starter kit. The whole way that they try and get you to actually make money, it comes through recruiting new beauty tainers to your quote unquote crew. So it's like kind of that thing, like a pyramid scheme where it's like, all right, I paid $140 for my beauty tainer license. Now, if I get three beauty tainers, they all pay 140 then those three each get three now we're talking business mogul and this thing is just like yeah this is a just a multi-level marketing scheme it's bullshit anyone that does it is just a complete fucking idiot so anyways tire banks get fucked you fucking suck bitch so yeah she's a horrible human being um bullshit a brand of oprah like never gonna be that she's narcissistic as fuck stupid idiot who's just always used her fame to prey on innocent people so fuck you tyra banks and with that 
be free and explore brought to you by Wicklower. Get fucked. Tyra Banks. Okay. I think it's time to get into the movie. And to do that, we're going to transition with a little music. Step inside. Walk this way. You and me, babe. Hey, hey. God, that fucking song is so good. I honestly, that whenever I hear that song, I just think of that uh, that commercial that had come on where uh, they were trying to figure it and they were like, pour some shook up ramen. They're like, what? Shook up, shook up ramen? It's like, yeah, those are the words. This <laughs> is a stupid commercial from back in the day. Fucking love it, though. That song is so good. Pour some sugar on me. God, yes. All right, movie starts out. Violet, a.k.a. Piper P., takes care of her dad in New Jersey. She decides she wants to travel to the Big Apple and make a name for herself in the big city. She's going to do it. She goes to New York, and she starts struggling. I mean, as you can imagine, kids, you get NYC, make your dreams come reality. It's tough. It's tough out there, kids. So she's struggling to get her shit together in New York. And the other difficult part about this is that she's going to just become a songwriter. So it's like when she's taking her music to music labels and everything, she's not offering to like go and perform it or sing on stage or like do it in front of a crowd. She's just trying to like, Hey, I wrote these songs. So I just want you to see this as like a songwriter. And I want you to just give my lyrics to really successful, sweet as fuck people like a Leanne Rhymes, like a rhymes, give my shit to a rhymes. And I think that just makes it extra difficult for her. So she's literally just trying to meet anyone with a pulse who will help her get ahead in this music industry. And she initially meets this dude. Kevin. Now, Kevin, she thinks Kevin is a club owner and he's going to help her, like, you know, get her music going and everything. Turns out, though, Kevin is not. He is just a guy working, like, in a kitchen, making burgers and stuff at a restaurant. He's not a big deal. So they actually have an interesting first interaction. After he lies about being a club manager, she doesn't want to talk to him anymore. And now we just get this classic situation of he wants what he can't have kind of thing. She's mad at him. So now he's just like doubling down. I'm going to fucking own this shit. I'm going to totally get this girl to get with me. And they have some banter going back and forth. And it leads to this clip, which I just thought was interesting. I got to go with Chicago. Okay. I've never had anyone stare at my ass for half an hour. So I'm going to say good night. And I'm hoping... You're going to say it back. Okay. I can take a hint. I really do know a lot of people in the music business. You just don't give up, do you? Well, it was a sweet and innocent thing. It did me in. Good night, Kevin. Just for the record, I was only staring at your ass for the first 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I've been staring at your ass. But not for like 30 minutes. It's just like the last 15, no big deal. Love this shit. I love it because it's like step one to getting caught doing something they shouldn't be doing. Essentially caught in a lie. Step one, just fully admit to it. Don't commit to the lie. I feel like this all the time. Like 
I get caught all the time doing shit and it's just like just immediately cop to it. Just cop to it and be like, yeah, it's yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I did it. I did it. I did it. Just don't commit. People get way too caught up in committing to the fucking lie. It's and then I think to counteract that, the people who are arguing it they get so much more hell-bent on proving that you are lying that just the whole thing goes off the rails. If you just cop to whatever the fuck you're doing immediately, everyone loses steam. The person coming at you loses steam. It's the way to approach it. Don't fucking commit to lies. Just own up to it. You're going to look bad for like a quick five to ten seconds, but then actually like once people coming at you know that they don't have to like commit to proving something it's just like, oh, this guy's a fucking idiot. Like, moving on. Whatever. God, idiot. At least I don't, but whatever. At least I don't have to sit there and convince him that he's an idiot. He just knows. So now I can move on with my life. So step one, you're caught doing something. Just fully admit to it immediately. It's kind of endearing too. Step two, turn it into a joke. Like we did there. It's like, yeah, I was staring at your ass. So I fully admit it. And then two, now I'm just going to make a little funny joke. Actually, it's only the last 15 minutes. Sorry about you. Your 30-minute hypothesis estimation is just way fucking inaccurate. That's double the amount of time I actually was, bitch. Just shut the fuck up. So, yeah, just takes it from being creepy as fuck into, like, kind of endearing, kind of charming. Don't hate this guy. I was just singing to it when I was watching this scene. This is a team podcast, and I was like, God. Anytime there's a want what you can't have dynamic, it just harkens me back to all the goodness that we've seen on these teen dramas leading up to this. Like it's where Seth and Summer, I mean, want what you can't have going after it. Just pure cinematic gold. Nathan and Haley, One Tree Hill, him trying to get her, her not wanting it. Love it. Saracen trying to get with Julie T and Friday Night Lights. She hated him. Didn't want it. Love it taboo with coach love it extra hard are some of the other ones smallville oh clark lana lang (laughs) yeah enough said and then oh pacey and joey and dawson's creek shit's everywhere teen dramas it's why we've always said it's one of the staples one of the core themes that you need in any of the teen dramas anything is want what you can't have all those dynamics, those relationships I just listed are fucking magical. Magical bottles of awesomeness. Awesome sauce. Anyways, Violet, she goes broke. She gets robbed. She's not making any fucking money doing whatever shit. She's trying to peddle her music and stuff. She's got no money. She's broke. So she's got to figure out, how am I going to make some cash money? So, fortuitously, she finds herself in a cafe early morning, super early morning. So early in the morning that some might actually just say that it's a late night extension from the night before. She's there early in the morning. The girls that walk into that cafe, though, are there for a late night. It's like, hey, who are these checks? Who are these girls coming in all rambunctious and rowdy and stuff this early in the morning? Clip. You know those girls? Oh, yeah, they're here every morning around this time, winding down. Wait, wait, wait. They have to in their line of wood. Are they hookers? No. Coyotes. These are coyote girls. Now it's like, oh, now we know what this movie's all about. Coyotes, not so ugly. Hot, hot coyotes. So, Violet's like, all right, I'm going to check this shit out. She goes and meets this girl. She's like, all right, I'm going to go to this bar, this Coyote Ugly bar. Maybe I can make some money. Meets a new boss, Maria Bello, her new boss. And Maria Bello is just her real name. I don't even know her character's name. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Meets Maria Bello. And the whole thing goes exactly like every other interaction for her in New York City has gone. Where it's just like, she's too nice. She's trying to sell her shit everyone's trying to sell something though in LA and New York everyone's got something they're trying to sell she's trying to sell her shit too no one cares and then she's too nice about it and so Maria Bella is like mm, fuck this I don't, this girl's too nice I don't need this not my coyote oak bar 
just as she's about to leave, Maria Bello says something like shitty to her. And then there's this clip of Piper P, a.k.a. Violet, being like, oh, no, you know what? Fuck this. Look, are you really the owner? Because I've had a rough couple of days. And so the last thing I need is some waitress on a power trip wasting my time. You start Friday night. Little fire. Little fire in her belly. You know who likes that? Maria Bello. Maria Bello likes that a lot. Little spark. I'd be looking for the same thing. If I was running a bar like Coyote Ugly, I'd be looking for the same fucking thing, Maria Bello. You are accurate in what you're looking for for a Coyote Ugly bartender. By the way, Maria Bello, really quick, fuck it. Maria Bello, I was going to do this whole thing on her later, but I'm just going to use this transition right now while I'm on Maria Bello to get into a little Ryan Phil La P. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. Not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice. I mean, how silly is that? Ryan Phillip, you practice your award. This is for the guy or girl who is doing way too much in the movie. I wish they would do way less. Ryan Phillip, you practice your award. First nominee on my list for Coyote Ugly is Maria Bello. The she owns the bar. She's the boss of all the Coyote Ugly bartenders. Two reasons. One, extra as fuck with her dead serious barbed wire tattoo. That is probably the number one tattoo that is just not held up at all in life. The barbed wire tattoo on the bicep. She has one. Second reason, and this isn't for this movie. This is more of just like a historical edit I want to call out about her. While I'm excited that she has full frontal nudity in her past, love that. I love that a lot. Points off, though, for the full-on fucking bush. Full bush. Maria Bello. History of Violence. Vigo Mortensen movie. Full bush in that. Check it out, kids. It's on the Google. You can find it. Full bush. For those two reasons, Dead Serious Barbed Wire Tattoo and a historical edit of her having a full bush in History of Violence. Two reasons she gets first nominee Ryan Phillippe Practice Your Award. My next two are small characters. They were only on the screen for one scene, but they were so dynamite in that one scene, doing so much extra shit, that they're getting nominated just for that simple one scene. Second nominee on my Practice Hero list is the receptionist working at a music label. It's like one of the first scenes when... Violet goes to New York and she goes to hand her cassette tape with all of her songs on it to like a receptionist at a music label. This receptionist gives her this shit back. Hi, I'm Violet Sanford. I just recently moved to New York and I was wondering if you would give my tape to one of your artists. Violet, that is so cute. Now let me tell you about me. My name is Wendy, and I first moved to New York when I was 21 to be a dancer, but I broke my big toe. And then I got knocked up by this actor who dumped me to join the Peace Corps. So for the last 16 years, I've been raising my daughter all by myself. And then two weeks ago, she tells me that she is a bisexual and that she hates me more than any person on this planet. (laughs) Now, tell me how I can help you, please, because I am dying to make your dreams come true whoa (laughs) lady take it the fuck down a notch bitch we get it we get it bitch you have a low ass self-esteem you're angry as fuck inside because of your lot in life but just take it down a notch like just shut the fuck up why are you taking it out on her? Like, we get it. Your life sucks and you're pissed and you're like, got it. You, you hate your life. Why are you taking it out on the, just the fucking green chick from New Jersey who's just trying to make a name for herself in the Big Apple, bitch? Fuck you. Second, small character. Honestly, 
I, she, I don't even know if she said words. There's these clips. It's There's this scene where all these drunken ladies are bidding on dudes at a bar uh, or at Coyote Ugly. They're just bidding on him to, like, uh, I guess, have him for the night. And uh, there's this one lady that they just kept going to her, and she's in the back of the bar just drunkenly yelling by herself. And she's, like, throwing out, like, dollar amounts for this guy that she apparently wants to just, like, praying mantis style, just go and, like, rip his fucking head off after she fucks him. Uh, listen to this chick at the bar going, bidding on this guy. I was just dying when I see it. I I just watched it back again. It's like that lady. It's like she just showed up on set and she's like, "God, I don't even have like anything. I I have nothing. I'm just an extra bidding on this guy in this fucking lame ass movie at a bar. I just have to I I just have to like yell out dollar amounts. But you know what? I'm gonna fucking make a name for myself. I'm just gonna blow a whole bunch of lines of coke." Show up on the movie set and just fuck it. I'm going balls to the wall. I'm getting a job after this. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Just amazing. And then the last nominee on the Ryan Phillippe Practice Hero Award list. Never done this. Never done this on the VL pod. It's actually not a fourth human being. For the fourth nominee, it is a fucking establishment and the establishment of the coyote ugly bar the entire establishment that is coyote ugly you are the fourth nominee on the ryan philby practice hero award list i just gotta say the whole time i just kept thinking this bar sucks like fucking sucks who would go to this place ever i feel like there's two modes you're in when it's like going out it's i want to go out do a whole bunch of cocaine fuck anything with a pulse and dance all night long that's club scene that's go to clubs then there's i just want to go have a low-key drink either with my friends or meet some new people like in a bar situation a little more low-key than a club this is like some in between weird zone of like it's like you have to do cocaine to get into this bar and then you have to act like a total idiot while you're at this bar i just i'm just gonna play i'm gonna play the first scene that we actually get uh while they're at the bar because i just want to watch this in real time and just just to give you an idea of like what's going on uh Okay, right now all the all the bartenders are dancing on the bar. So there's fucking filth everywhere. All the shit that's on their fucking shoes on the floor is now up on the bar. God, germs, germs everywhere. Germs are everywhere. Now they're okay. They're just they're walking, they're dancing on the bar. They're just pouring. I mean, fucking god. Quick break. Hold on. John Taffer. If anyone watches Bar Rescue, John Taffer would just be wanting to commit suicide right now. They're just shooting all of their fucking liquor into the mouths, just walking across the bar, shooting liquor into the mouths. No one's paying for these shots. Oh, God, the money they're losing. Okay. Now, okay, now they're just pouring liquor over the entire bar, and they've lit the bar on fire. The entire bar is now on fucking fire. So now we're just reaching fire code issues. Again, who wants to be here? The bar's on fire. There's fucking germs everywhere. You reek of... You have alcohol in your hair. There's just like fucking pouring Jägermeister in everyone's hair who's standing close to the bar. Now they've pulled this one guy up and they just like are pouring Jägermeister all down his chest. Again, he's not paying for any of this. I just... 
this entire bar makes no fucking sense to me. I don't know how they're making money. I don't know how this bar is making money. Okay, so anyways, this establishment. So if I had to pick between those four, so to recap, you have Maria Bello, who's getting it essentially just because she's shown full bush in a movie. You have the receptionist, who's just aggressive. And third, you have a lady just yelling at a bar, all horny as fuck and also on cocaine, trying to make her name for herself in L.A., And then the fourth one is just the establishment that is the bar of Coyote Ugly. (sighs) Honestly, I kind of want to just give it to Bello for the bush. I, I had a lot more substantial evidence to the actual Coyote Ugly bar. But I think it just makes more sense in a nonsensical way to just give it to Maria Bello's bush. There you go, Ryan Philippi. <laughs> just want to say really quick too. I just keep thinking about me in the in going and like stumbling into this Coyote Ugly bar because this is so not my fucking scene at all. I just imagine like coming in there and, and just like immediately once I walk in, I'm just like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. I made a mistake. Ah, uh, and. I, the, the other element I just don't like is the making everyone. F- so yes, you you know that when you walk in there, you're there's potential you're going to catch on fire. Uh, you know that you're going to come out reeking of alcohol because they're just pouring Jägermeister all over everyone's like all in everyone's hair and on their chest and stuff, which I don't understand. But the other thing is just you're constantly being made look and feel like an idiot. Like there's this one clip of this guy who like ordered some things and then he asked for a water. And there's this response from the fucking bartender ladies. Give me a scotch and water. Okay, you got it. Well, do we serve water with our whiskey? Only water I serve got barley and hops in it. Hey, everybody, do we serve water in this bar? Yelling hell no H2O and then fucking shooting this guy in the face with the water gun just because he asked for a fucking water. I just imagine if I was in this bar, just like, I could, I could get a, let's see, um, a couple, couple Coors Lights, take a couple Coors Lights, um, a couple shots of Fireball. It's going to be a crazy night. So a couple shots of Fireball, a couple Coors Lights, and then, uh, let's see, a rum and Coke and a whiskey Coke. And that's, oh, and then a, a round of waters for the table. That should do it. And there's, what? Waters, pussy? And just starts spraying me in the face. Like, okay, I'll just take the $100 I was about to spend on alcohol and just fuck right off. Because this place sucks. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel like ass. I just don't, I don't feel like the, uh, yeah, again, now, now I'm even happier that Maria Bella got the practice here award because it's like bitch bad ownership so not only do you have a bush but just bad ownership okay back to the plot of this um Violet ends up getting a job at the bar she ends up crushing at the bar everything's going great she starts making money dominating the scene she's like oh i'm getting my shit together i'm fine i'm coming into my own as a woman fucking nailing life And yeah, nothing's happening with my music career right now, but I'm just slaying in New York City, making it on my own. So cool beans. It all comes crashing to a halt, though, because her dad comes to visit, comes from New Jersey. He's like, I want to check up on my girl, see how she's doing. Dad comes to the bar, turns the corner, and then he sees his daughter. Uh, oh, spaghetti, Thank you for the assist, Kid Rock. Love that song, by the way. Yeah, John Goodman comes in, sees his daughter up on stage just getting drenched with a bunch of buckets of water while a bunch of drunk-ass dudes with fucking boners are all staring up at her cheering. So, I feel like this is... Yes, it's not your worst nightmare if you're a dad, if you're Goodman. 
because it's like okay it could be worse she could just be like actually sucking dick for a living prostitute style that would suck as a dad she could be doing porn so it's legal dick sucking Uh, she could be a stripper where it's some dick sucking but less and most of that is just taking your clothes off but no touching this is one step above that i guess but all still in that camp of like mm, not trying to have my daughter be just doing wet t-shirt contests on a fucking bar while a bunch of fucking dudes with party ramps with boners who are combining for like 40 brain cells between the entirety of the bar are just watching her shake her titties up on stage so goodman probably doesn't like that leads to all this shit all this shit starts going down so the awesomeness of her crushing new york city big apple just dominating it all comes crashing to a halt because her dad is super fucking disappointed in her more shit goes down because obviously then she's feeling like shit. She gets into a fight with fucking Kevin too. They break up. Actually, there was a clip I wanted to play of her and Kevin breaking up because she starts dating this guy, Kevin. They have a really good relationship. He's like all about trying to get her singer songwriting career going. And he knows that like, she's got this huge fear of scared of going on stage So he's been helping her like get comfortable singing her songs because he knows that the only way people are ever going to hear her songs so that she can be a songwriter is if she goes and sings them herself on stage. So he's been like helping a lot with that. I started rooting for this relationship, you know, hard as fuck. And then it's like they had this breakup and it was a pretty poignant moment because as they're breaking up, he just starts laying some real shit clip. I'm going to guess why you left Australia. You were in jail. No, that's not it. You have a wife and four kids in Sydney. Come on, am I getting warm? Come on, Kevin, I don't have a lot of time. Why'd you run away from home? I didn't have a home. Is that what you wanted to hear? I don't have a family. I mean, that's the big secret. Are you happy? Huh? You're going to feel sorry for me now? You're going to hold me close while I tell you that I had to change homes every two years? I had a bad childhood. Big deal. I don't need your sympathy. Because I'm here and I'm living on my two feet like I wanted to. That was my dream. At least I did with a little bit of dignity. And I didn't. That's it. Well, just unbutton the blouse a little and unzip the pants, show a little bit of flesh. I think you can figure it out. Go on in. Your fans are waiting for you to crawl in the bar. I mean, look, Kevin, he just wants her to go for his dreams, you know? He's a good guy. Kevin's a good dude. Yeah, sure, he's only known her for like two weeks. He's fallen madly in love with her in a very expediated time frame. It's cool, though. No big deal. Like, he falls in love, but he falls in love hard and he falls in love fast. I think his whole point is like, look, I get shit too, but guess what, bitch? You're now getting complacent being a bartender at this bullshit bar and not following your dreams. And you know what? A love of my life is not going to be not following her dreams. So your dad was right. Fuck this. I'm actually on your dad's side. So we are going to break up, bitch. See ya. They break up. Now it's like she's back all on her own again no boyfriend her dad now doesn't support what she's doing and now everything's just starting to fall the fuck apart adding to this making this perfect storm even greater her dad then has a heart attack obviously wasn't shocking because john goodman as i said this is pre-weight loss he's a fat guy him having a heart attack was not a shocker she goes to see him in the hospital. Shit's going down. She's like, Dad, I need to be with you. Like, clearly my priorities have been all fucked up, Dad. Like, you're sick. I need to stay here with you, help you get healthy. Classic Goodman, though. He pulls a 180. He's like, um, I'm not going to stand for that. My daughter, bitch. 
you'll go back. Because while obviously I don't want my daughter stripping for dollar bills, what I will say is I am not going to sit back and watch my daughter give up on her dreams. So you will go back, Piper P, Violet, Samford, you will go back. And you will fucking make a name for yourself. Not up on that bar, but up on that stage. And it's like, damn. Goodman's just delivering the fucking goods. Good man for delivering the goods. Big ending time for this movie where Violet, she's like, fuck it. My dad's right. I did come here. And if I'm not going to conquer my fears of getting up on stage, what the fuck am I even doing? She gets up on stage, conquers her fears, and she starts singing this smash Leanne Rhymes hit. Crush City. Now, I will say, we're someone who is pretty uncomfortable on stage, aka uh, this has been the most scared thing that she has in her entire life, and she's been in her whole life with this like phobia and fear of getting up on stage. Looks pretty comfortable right now. I was watching this, so I was like, well, I've now seen two movies that I've done on this podcast where two people who made it seem like they were very uncomfortable on stage one Piper P in Coyote Ugly and then two uh, Britney Spears in the movie Crossroads both these young ladies seem pretty comfortable though within like 13 and a half seconds up on stage doing fucking splits backflips it's just like super comfortable out of nowhere it's like god damn god fucking damn Anyways, though, movie ends with, guess who actually does buy her songs? Leanne Rhymes. (laughs) So it was, Leanne Rhymes has just been having her words come out of Piper P's mouth, Violet's mouth, the entire movie, and then all of a sudden, at the end, after Leanne Rhymes has already been having to sing the whole time, she has to sing again. And now it's to sing Violet's songs, and but anyways, it ends happy. It's all good. Violet now is a songwriter for her. Uh, Her and Kevin make up. Obviously, her and Kevin get back together. And her dad comes around. He's all good. He's just over the heart attack. So everything is gravy with Violet's life. And that's it. And that's how the movie ends. So let's see. Any valuable lessons that I had in this movie? Uh, Well, first and foremost, follow your dreams, kids. Goodman said it best. And yeah, thinking back to the Rotten Tomatoes, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 23 still seems, it seems a little low. There were some good moments in this movie. If you haven't seen it, there were some good moments. But I would say for the most part, I would not give this above like a 60. I wouldn't give it above a 60. The audience that has it at 71, I don't agree with that. Post-movie... It's like probably 54. I don't feel great. Uh, but the the 23 is pretty low. The critics are a little low on that. But I'm not going to lose sleep over that score on the 23. Um, MVP of this movie. This MVP is, as always, I've forgotten on the last couple of podcasts to do this. But this MVP, we got to give sponsors some love. I wouldn't want another podcast to go by without giving some sponsor love. So... This is brought to you by the fine, 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 fine industry of Japanese denim. Japanese denim, the best fucking denim that will ever go around your legs. Indestructible, indestructible. That's the number one word I can think of for it. Indestructible denim. And as we say around here, Japanese made, podcaster approved. I had three nominees for MVP of this movie. One, obviously Violet. She's the hero of this movie. The whole thing centered around her. She was candidate number one. Two, John Goodman, the dad. 
you better bet your ass I was going to fucking put Goodman on here. And number three, I didn't even talk about her on this pod, but there's this mean bitch who is a coyote and works with Violet, and she is just such a bitch. Resting bitch face. Uh Uh-huh. Check. And I just put her on here because I love a mean, hot bitch. In any movie, I love a mean, hot bitch. So she's nominated. But if I had to give one MVP for this entire movie of Coyote, ugly, it is going to go to John Goodman. I mean, look, the guy cruised through a heart attack in this movie. Fucking points. You know, like... You survive a heart attack, that's going to get you 50% of the way to the MVP. And, I mean, he just loves his daughter, dude. And I love Goodman. He loves his daughter. He did the right thing. He supported her. He's the one that ended up getting her off that fucking Coyote Ugly and getting her to pursue her dreams. So it's like, without John Goodman, where is she? She's not giving her songs to Leanne Rimes? So Goodman fucking did it. Goodman's the cause. Jay Goodman. You're the fucking man. MVP. Okay. God, that was, let's say, that was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it was harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be very easy to talk to absolutely no one because I'm such a talker in life. But I will say that that was actually very difficult. It's hard to go over an hour without at least gauging a reaction off of another human being. I think that's my biggest takeaway on doing this entire podcast by myself is that yes, I'm not a great listener, but unless you can at least see how people are reacting to what you're saying, it's hard to know what rabbit holes to like dig deeper into and go down because they're responding to it and then which ones to like pull back on because they're not responding to it. So that would be my big self-reflection. Yeah. But anyways, that was interesting. I'm glad I did it. I've always wanted to see if I could do that. It's always interesting to see like people who are on the radio who every day can just like go like three hours by themselves every day and just go, go, go on different topics. So yeah. Anyways, next week, explosive pod. Get back to the normal routine next week. Still under quarantine, but probably going to have a guest. We're going to set up some Zoom calls. We're going to be doing some remote podcasting. Next movie is just going to be pure fucking teen drama, fire coming at you kids. But tonight, it's simple. I only have one request for you kids. And that request is you sleep tight. You sleep tight, kids. Thanks for coming along for this solo journey. Have a really good night's sleep. And I will tell you, first and foremost, one, clear eyes. Two, full hearts. And three, do less, kids. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.